It's October 3rd, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Cotnor. Our top stories today. O Globo, a conservative paper in Brazil, reports that Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva failed to get more than 50% of the vote in the first round of Brazil's election which means the former president will head to a runoff with the current president, Jair Bolsonaro, the second-highest vote-getter. With just shy of 100% of the vote counted, Lula received 48.43% of the vote, and Bolsonaro received 43.2%. The second round of voting will take place on October 30th. In my opinion, what happens next in Brazil will be vital for the preservation of democracy there. Bolsonaro has previously said that the election would be fraudulent if he did not win in the first round. As someone who has praised the military dictatorship in the country previously and has strong ties to the current military, I'm worried that he might try a more successful version of January 6th. So these next few days and weeks will be critical, and we'll be following closely. Political Europe, the European edition of the centrist American outlet, reports that UK Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng has junked his plan to cut taxes for high earners after a backlash from financial markets and Conservative Party colleagues that plunged his country into economic crisis. We get it. And we have listened, Quarteng said, as he announced the dramatic U-turn on Twitter today. A cut in the top tax rate from 45% to 40% was the major surprise in his and Prime Minister Liz Truss's mini-budget announcement last month, which went dramatically awry. The scale of opposition from Quarteng's conservative colleagues had threatened his ability to deliver the policy at all, as the pound tanked and government borrowing costs soared, forcing the Bank of England to intervene to prevent UK pension funds collapsing. The pound jumped on news of the U-turn, rising by slightly more than a cent against the dollar before falling back. Voice of America, the US-funded international independent news outlet, reports that Ukraine said yesterday it had taken full control of Lyman the eastern logistics hub that was part of the territory Russian President Vladimir Putin had illegally claimed last week was now part of Russia. Russia did not comment yesterday on the fate of Lyman, but said Saturday that its troops were retreating from the area because it feared Ukrainian forces were about to encircle them. Russia had captured Lyman in May, and had used it as a logistics and transportation hub for its operations in the north of the Donetsk region. Britain's defense ministry said in an intelligence update posted on Twitter yesterday that Russia's withdrawal has led to a further wave of public criticism of Russia's military leadership by senior officials, and that further losses of territory in illegally occupied territories will almost certainly lead to an intensification of this public criticism and an increase in the pressure on senior commanders. Elsewhere, the Kiev Independent, an English-language outlet founded mere months before the war began, reports that Russian Deputy Prime Minister 
Alexander Novak said that there were enough technical means to repair the pipelines, only time and funds are needed. Novak also claimed that the U.S., Poland, and Ukraine were interested in damaging the pipelines built by Russia to carry gas from Russia to Germany under the Baltic Sea. Since September 26th, four leaks have been discovered in the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines. Following the leaks, several Western officials, including U.S. President Joe Biden, called them a deliberate act of sabotage. Biden also accused Russian dictator Vladimir Putin of pumping out disinformation and lies. Last week, Russian submarines were seen near the areas where the leaks were discovered, CNN reported, citing an unnamed Western intelligence official. Al Jazeera, the nominally independent broadcasting company of Qatar, reports Burkina Faso's overthrown military chief agreed to step down two days after army officers announced his deposition in the country's second coup in a year. Paul Henry Sandago Damiba offered his resignation in order to avoid confrontations with serious human and material consequences, according to a statement on Sunday by mediators. President Damiba proposed his own resignation in order to avoid clashes, a spokesman for the mediation effort said. Damiba set seven conditions for stepping down. They included a guarantee of security for his allies in the military, a guarantee of his security and rights, and assurance that those taking power will respect the pledge he gave West Africa's regional bloc for a return to civilian rule within two years. The Straits Times, Singapore's newspaper of record, reports that an independent fact-finding team will likely take about two weeks to complete investigations into Indonesia's deadly soccer stampede that killed at least 125 people in East Java over the weekend, the authorities said on Monday. At least 32 children were counted among the 125 people dead from the stampede, officials said, as the local mayor promised to focus on providing trauma counseling for those affected in one of the world's worst stadium disasters. Saturday's deadly crush came as panicking spectators tried to escape the overpacked stadium after police fired tear gas to disperse fans from the losing home side who ran onto the pitch at the end of the match. Deutsche Welle, Germany's independent public broadcaster, reports that Bosnia's election was held primarily to cast ballots for the country's unique tripartite presidency a system that sees the president's role shared by one Bosniak, one Serb, and one Croat, who each serve a four-year term. The vote has been a tight contest between entrenched nationalists and economy-focused reformists. Preliminary results this morning showed that moderate Denis Besrevic was leading in the race for the Muslim Bosniak seat on the presidency. It is time for a positive turnaround in Bosnia, he said after claiming victory. For the Croat presidency member, moderate Zelajko Komsic appears to be slightly ahead of Borjana Christo of the nationalist Croatian Democratic Union. In the race for the Serb member of the Bosnian presidency, Zelajka Sivjanovic won 51.65% of the votes counted, a close ally of pro-Russian 
Milorad Dudek. In lighter news, the federal government has sold off a rather inhospitable lighthouse in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay for a six-figure sum after a bidding war at auction. The Hooper Island Lighthouse, located west of Middle Hooper Island in Maryland's Dorchester County, at first drew little interest, the Washington Post reported, but then five potential buyers drove up the price from a starting bid of $15,000 to the winning bid of $192,000. The rusting White House, known locally as Spark Plug, has an outer ladder but no nearby dock for a boat to moor. A 2019 inspection also found lead-based paint, asbestos, benzene, and other dangerous substances inside, where there is no water, electricity, or other utilities. The new owner's identity won't be known until final documentation is signed. In unrelated news, the DSR Daily Brief is excited to announce a new studio coming soon. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. Last weekend, we spoke with Syed Golkar, a non-resident senior fellow at the Chicago Council on Global Affairs for Iran Policy. If you aren't a member, go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.